We're glad you're here this morning. I want you to open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 57, okay? Boy, I love Christmas, and you know, this week has been so cold, and uh, you can tell we're in the winter season. Boy, it was really cold Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, and today uh, it's supposed to be 70 degrees, only in Texas, huh? <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, uh, let's see, you're, you're getting to Psalms chapter 57, and I want to do something real quick here. I need, I need some help from somebody, somebody that's a little bit vain like myself. <laughs> I had one volunteer. See, how about one of these good-looking teenage girls? Let's see. Um, um, I'm looking at Faith, but I know she's going to have a heart attack if I call her up here. Now, Faith, um, are you a junior this year or a senior this year? A junior this year. you got one more year. I'll embarrass you next year in your, when you're a senior, okay? So, so, Nicole, come on up. I know you can take it because you're just that kind of girl, okay? Come on up. Oh, you gotta, everybody give, give her a hand because she's going to need it, okay? All right. Okay. All right. Now, I need, I need Julie to come here, please. And what I want you to do is I want you to take um, our picture, okay? Well, tough. You gotta turn, I, I was told you got to turn it on. And so what I want you to do is I want you to take our picture, and then I want you to, to, to take it back up to Adam um, Townsend up there, okay? All right? So how are you doing? Good. Having you? a good week this yes. week? Yeah. And uh, so this is Nicole, everybody. No, don't take it yet. We got to look good first. We got to pose it. We got to pose. So we're going to go up on the stage, okay, because I want to get a picture with you. Now, you're in the 10th grade, yes, sir. and um, what are you aspiring to? Softball, softball. I like. I, I love watching girls softball. Yeah, I don't have to count clap on that, but uh, you know, um, it's amazing to me that that pitcher is so close and they're spinning that thing underhanded. I mean, you know, from the distance of the the, the home plate to the to the pitcher's mound, it's equivalent to those balls coming at those girls sometimes. You know, if we was playing big baseball, it'd be like 110 miles an hour is coming by because this, they're so close. And then how they, the batters run up on the ball sometimes and hit. Just a, it's just a, those girls can play some ball, let me tell you. So are you as good as, are you, you that good? Yeah, okay. Well, enough of the small talk here. All right, but what I want to do simply is, is, uh, is I want us to take a picture, okay? And I want it to be a good picture, all right? I, so no, no funny faces, all right? So this is going to be real simple. I just want to take a picture. Okay. Are you a little vain? Yes, okay, okay. Okay, take a couple because we want our eyes open. We want it to be good. All right, thank you very much. Okay, that's it. All right, your Bibles are open to Psalms chapter 57. We're going to come back and visit that here in just a minute, okay, Nicole? So, so it's not that weird, okay? Now, I, I want to think about this very question. I want you to think about this very question personally, okay? Listen. This morning can be a life changer for you. You know why? Because God is alive and he's well and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. But God's word is alive. And so this morning I want us to all to get this, that our lives can change dramatically. If you're unsaved, you can get saved and your lives can change dramatically. If you're here and you're a born-again believer and you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you sometimes still as a, you, some, you sometimes still live as a broken person and life doesn't always go your way. And so it gets confusing and it gets overwhelming and you get burdened down and gosh, it just feels so heavy and you wonder why, what's going on, what am I doing wrong? I'm telling you, this psalm... 
This psalm will fill, your, will, 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 will fill your soul. It will feed you, and it will give you a different way of how you can walk out of here and live your life victoriously in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen on that? Just an amen. Yes, so here it is in Psalms 57. So here is that question, This, and I want you to, to think about it personally. And here it is. I got two questions. Does God have a purpose for this world? Number two. Does God have a purpose for you specifically? Okay. For your life. And, 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 and how can you know what it is? So think about that personally just for a minute. Now, few things in life are as important as finding a purpose. Everybody listen. Get everything out of your brain of what you was doing this morning. You fought with your husband. You fought with your wife. You had to wrestle with your kids and get them ready to come to church and, and all that different. Get it all out of your brain. Get it out of your system. Because I, I want us to understand this, is that um, few things are as important as finding a purpose. And the problem with most of us, even born-again believers, is, is we forget about what our true purpose is. When you understand something's purpose, when you understand something's purpose, you can put up with all kinds of inconveniences and pain because you know its purpose. Let me give you an example. Let's say you work at an office and your boss tells you, I want you to come in this weekend on Saturday and Sunday for no extra pay, just weekend work, no extra pay, no overtime, no nothing. I want you to come in and I want you to go through 10,000 envelopes and I want you to go through its contents. That'd be the worst weekend ever, wouldn't it? You got to go to the office away from your family for nothing and you got to sit there and go through, open up 10,000 envelopes and you got to go through its contents. That, that would be pretty miserable, don't you think? But now, what if he said, I want you to come, this, come in this weekend, I want you to go through 10,000 envelopes, and in one of those envelopes is a bonus check for you that's got $100,000. The purpose changes everything. Amen? The purpose changes everything. Okay, how about if you're a doctor and a lady comes in to you and you have to tell her that um, she's going to gain 10 inches in her waist and she's going to gain about 30 pounds, she's going to slap you, right? <laughs> now, my wife has gone through that four times. She's had a baby. That changes everything, right? A purpose, I mean, no, no, no woman wants to tell a doctor to tell them, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna, your waistline's going to change 10 inches and, and you're going to put on 30 pounds. But if he says, hey, you're going to have a child like my wife four times, and Tommy, I'm telling you, if she could get pregnant now and, well, and have a baby, she would do it because she loved having, but, but she, she always come back from the doctor all glowing and, and happy. You know, be why? Because, because there was a purpose, right? There's a purpose. Listen, if, if we know the purpose in going through life, then it can make that road getting there not seem so heavy. Do you get it? But you got to put that purpose in order. I mean, if you had to go to the office and go through 10,000 envelopes, but there's a check for $100,000, I mean, it's worth it then, right? You're, you're, you're not going to mind the, the, you know, your fingers being cut and having to go through all those envelopes and being away from your family as much. So the purpose is important. The purpose is important. Now, Knowing that God has a purpose for you, listen, should transform how you see everything in your life. What you do with your blessings, uh, how, do you, how you interpret your pain, your trials, your circumstances. So how can we discover that purpose? 
And our Bibles should be open to Psalms chapter 57. Let's look at that just for a moment and let's read those, that text. And we have that on the screen for you. Psalms chapter 57. Psalms chapter 57. All right. Um, look in your Bibles, and I don't have it on the screen, but, but look at the little note before verse 1. And maybe not all your Bibles have that. But it says, <clears throat> it's, it, it's written to... Um, the, the choir director. And so, so King David wrote this psalm, and, and this is who he's writing, this, writing it to. And he is saying, um, he's saying here, set to the order of, and, and this word, al tashemeth, um, he's saying here to the choir master or chief musician, he's saying, and that word means set to the tune of do not destroy. So David is saying, choir master, I, I'm writing this song, and I want you to, to put it to the tune of Do Not Destroy. I guess Do Not Destroy was a popular song during that time. I, I don't know. It would be like the Taylor Swift song. Maybe we said we wrote something and say, hey, play this to the Taylor Swift song of Shake It Off. I don't know. But, 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 um, but, um, but, he, but David has specific instructions here, and he's saying, I'm writing this psalm, I'm writing this song, it's anointed of God, and I'm sending it to you, and I want you to, to, to sing this to the, to the tune of Do Not Destroy. Now look at what it says. It says, when he fled from Saul in the cave. So context is important, all right? So here we have David. And he's hiding in a cave from King Saul, who was trying to kill him because David had been anointed future king of Israel. And when Saul got the news that David was, was chosen of God and anointed as, as king, he didn't want to give up his kingship, right? And so he sought after, he took thousands of men with him, and they went and they chased David out of Jerusalem. And now David finds himself in a cave being sought after by the king of Israel to kill him. David's purpose is to be the king of Israel. All right, let's pick it up in verse 1, look at it. Here's David, and here's his song that he wrote to the tune of Do Not Destroy. Listen to it. Listen to his prayer. Listen to his song. Be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who, who trampleth upon me. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men who, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Verse 5, he says, be, be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. 
My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory, awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth in the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens. Look at it. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. Man, what an amazing, remarkable psalm. Because in spite of all the things that are going wrong with David's life, listen close, in spite of the fact that he is suffering innocently, not one time does he ask God to change his situation. Not one time does he ask God to change his his situation. The only thing he asks throughout the psalm is this, God, you be glorified. That's all he asks in this song or this psalm. And he says, God, he doesn't say, God, this, God, that. He says, God, that you'll be glorified. He never says, Lord, if you would vindicate my name. He never said, I don't deserve this, fix it. He never said, God, um, give me nicer accommodations. This cave is a dump. He never said any of those things. He didn't even say, God, why don't you give Saul hemorrhoids so when he had to ride ride his horse, he'll get so sore that he'll turn around and go home. You know, he never said any of those things, did he? Look, David may have wanted to say all those things, but he didn't because he perceived something bigger, and that was the situation that he was in. So rather than asking for anything, he prays twice. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. He says, let your glory be over all the earth. God, he says, use this situation to let other people see just how majestic you are. That's his prayer. And David exudes incredible confidence about God answering that prayer. Look at it. In verse 2, he says, I know God will fulfill his purpose for me. And that's a different translation, but that's what he says. I mean, can you get it, guys? Here is David in the in the cave, and he's being sought after, and and not to not not to not to be invited to a party, but to kill him. And his in in his prayer or his song that he's writing here is, "I know God will fulfill His purpose for me." And for God to be glorified. He says in verse 4, he says, I will lay down to rest in the midst of fiery beasts. In verse 7, he says, I will arise early in the morning and sing and make melody to the Lord. So instead of cowering in fear, David is getting a good night's sleep and he's waking up to sing songs of joy. I'm going to give you three things from this psalm that you can learn about your purpose. You ready? Okay, I believe taking notes is important, all right? I believe that when we all get to heaven, we're going to have to show God all of our notes that we took during Brother Fox's sermon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding around. But I do believe that taking notes is important, and I believe that we can write up right in our margins of our Bible, and we're not, we're not committing a sin, and you can have those notes there, okay? So, so take some notes this morning because, because three things that we can learn about our purpose, all right? Number one, number one, God has a purpose for you, but it's not about you. God has a purpose for you, but it's not about you. Now, you see, this is, see, in this refrain, David goes back to again and again. He says, God, may you be exalted above the heavens and let your glory be over all the earth. 
So superseding David's desire to be rescued and his prayer for God to be glorified, the ultimate purpose of your life is not about you, and it's not about me and my life. You and I exist for God's glory. Can I have an amen? Hey, you and I exist for God's glory. And if we will ever understand that truth and build our lives around that truth, life will change for us. This whole purpose of everything isn't about Ron Fox, and it's not about you. It's not about you being comfortable, even in, in the things that you go through. It's about God. It's not about us. It's about God. Why did God create the earth? Psalms chapter 19, verse 1, here's what it says. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. That is, God wove creation as a tapestry to display his own glory. Here's another question. Why did God choose to save Israel? It says here in Psalms chapter 106, it says, God saved Israel for his namesake that he might make known his mighty power. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9, it says, For my name's sake I, de I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise I restrain it for you. You see, it's, it's all about God. Paul says in Ephesians 1, chapter 6, it says that God chose to save us in the way that he did to put on display his glorious grace. It was all about him. For all of us to be saved, it's all about his glory. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about our lives bringing him glory. And no matter the situation that we're put into, our number one purpose as born-again believers in Jesus Christ is to give him glory and that his name will be glorified. That's that purpose. And so when I'm struggling and when I'm going through things and when things aren't going the way that I want them to go and, and when change happens in my life, I, I don't let anxiety get me down. I don't let the fear of man get me down. I don't let circumstance get me down. What, what we see here is if we'll take God's purpose that we know that God's purpose has for us and make that the central point of our lives and, and, and for God to be glorified in whatever state I am, all this other stuff goes away and God is glorified. Everybody say amen. Because listen, all, I'm, all we're trying to say this morning is I think we get it backwards sometimes. God's, it's not about us. The purpose of life is not about us. It's not about me. It's about him. Amen, everybody? It, it's all about him. I think we just, we just get that backwards. Now, so what is the ultimate purpose God has for us now? And so we already said it. It's bringing him glory. That's why he created us. And it's what he saved us for. It's to bring him glory. Paul tells us that in everything we do, whether we eat or drink, we should do all for the glory of God. Let me give you an analogy. And then we're going to bring um, Nicole back up. Okay? Let me give you an analogy. And, and, and I don't want to get this wrong, but listen to it. In order for life on earth to work, the earth has to rotate around the sun, right? If it doesn't and the earth loses the sun, it dies, right? Now, if the sun, S-U-N, if the sun was a person and it loved the earth, it would insist 
that it remained the center of the Earth's orbit because for the Earth ever to lose the sun as its center would mean certain death to the Earth. That's how we are with God. Everybody, let's get it this morning. That's how we are with God. Psalm 1611, it says, In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Did you just hear me, what I said? God is our center, and we're to orbit around because it's around God that we find joy. It's around God that we find peace. It's around God only when he's the center of our lives will we enjoy life to its fullest. Because when it's all about us, it's all about us, and it's about nothing else, and we're never going to be satisfied. If God wants us to have these things, he'll insist that we build our lives around him as his center. And he will settle for nothing any different than that. Because you know that because you've tried it and it doesn't work. The essence of the Father is love. And look, God wants us to share in that, so he insists we put him in that very center. The reason... This is so hard for us to get is that we are born into a life which is completely backwards mentally, thinking we are the center of everything. Let me walk you through a little history of mankind, and I I heard Andy Andy Stanley say this a couple of years ago, and it just stuck with me. And and, 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 and listen to this. With the tip of, of God, with the tip of his finger, he flung the continents and the galaxies into place. God. We're talking about God. He made the stars and clouds and mountaintops and seas and the atom and the cell, the flick of the finger. That's God. And every time he creates something new, the angels he created are watching going, whoa, that's amazing. They've never seen it. Then after everything else had been created, God created a man to share in that glory, Adam. And now this creation was special because God designed this part of his creation in his own image. That's us. And then God did the unthinkable. He handed the brush to us and he told us to paint the very center of it. Creation wasn't completed yet, but God wanted us to have a part in it. So he hands us the brush and he tells us to paint the center of it. Why? Because he knows, listen, because he knows what every person who's ever been in love knows, that it is only love when the person freely chooses you. He wanted a creation centered in love. He wanted to be the center of creation for us, and he wanted us to choose him because we truly love him. And we, and we took the brush And we painted in not God in the center, but ourselves. I'm going to be the center. I'm going to be the boss. That was called sin, ladies and gentlemen. Adam and Eve and all of us. Look, every child born into the world since then arrives with that same problem, that I problem, that me problem, that self-centered problem, that sin problem. It's either whether it's a he or whether it's a she. The two words, listen, the two words I never had to teach my children 
I never had to teach my children, and they're all, the youngest is 22. The two words I never had to teach my children were no and mine. They got that one all by themselves. You know, you know, I never had to send my kids to rebellion camp. <laughs> How about y'all? You know, my kids never had to stay after school to be tutored and being selfish. They got those things naturally from their mother-in-law, of course. <laughs> I'm just kidding around. <laughs> from my mother-in-law. If you're listening, Toby, I'm just playing. You're the best mother-in-law in the world. But look, <clears throat> but here's what I'm saying is, and, and catch, catch up with me. Our default setting, listen, and here it is. This is psychology 101 if you want it straight from your pastor in the book of Psalms chapter 57. Our default setting in life is self-centered. I want me all about me. Our default mode is self-centeredness. When times get tough, when times get hard, when times get bad, when times get challenging, not understanding, we naturally go into our default mode, which is a, our sin nature, which says, me, 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 I, 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 give, give, give. Something changes at church. I've done it like this for years, and something changes. Boom, default mode. Hey, what about me? In our homes, something goes on and something happens and life happens. And what, 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 what do we do? We, we go into our default mode and we say, me, 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 I, 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 husband, wife, children. It's all about me. Sin, that's the sin problem. God created, God created us for this whole thing to work is for us to revolve around him, for him to be the sinner. Didn't you choose him in love? Didn't because he come and died for your sins? We as Christians, haven't we accepted him as Lord and Savior? And we do that because of lust, of, of lust, of love. Because, because, but, but look, but, but what we've done is Christians, we've taken that brush and in the center of all of this that God's trying to do, we put ourselves but God needs to be in the center. Amen, everybody? I'm going to prove it to you. Nicole, come on up. All right. Don't look so bad, okay? All right. So I want us to look at our picture. Okay. All right. So, so I'm not calling you a sinner or anything right now. Where's, her, where's your daddy? He's upstairs. He's upstairs. She's no sinner, huh? Yes, she is, he said. <laughs> okay. So we took a picture, right? I want us to look at that picture. What do you think it's going to look like? I told you not to put it up until I say, picture, please. I mean, simple instructions. All right, take it off. Good Lord. See, now I'm being a little centered here. <laughs> okay, okay, you ready? Okay, don't, did you, uh, huh? <laughs> but when I give instructions, I'm the boss. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Not you, Joanne. Not Joanne, <laughs> Miss Judy. Okay. I love you more. Okay. Are you ready for this? This is our picture. And we can, we can put this on Facebook. We can put it on Instagram. We can put it on Snapchat. We can, I mean, we can be, we can, I mean, this is, be, this is good. Okay. But what are we looking for here, Nicole? What are we looking for? We're looking for a good picture because we don't want to share it if it's not good, right? Okay, you ready? Okay. One, two, three. Oh, put it up there. Oh, picture, please. Picture, please. <laughs> Bam. I think that's a great picture of us. I look a little fat, and I, I, I don't know. I look 
kind of Hispanic there, which is okay. <laughs> but um, but look, that's a good picture. Okay, is that a good picture? Yes. Why is it a good picture? Because what? Because I'm in it. <laughs> no, that's not true. Okay, so so really and truthfully, when you when you when you when when someone shows you a picture of yourself, and 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 when we determine it's a good picture, what do we look at to determine it's a good picture if you're in it? Your body, okay. So you look at yourself. If if it's if you what's what's your first thing you go to in the, that you look at if you're in the picture? You go to, okay. You go to you look for yourself, right? Okay. Default mode. I know this is simple, but but look, any of us takes a picture. The first thing we look at is ourselves. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an okay picture, and I'll put it on Facebook, and I'll put it on Snapchat, and I'll put it on whatever, Instagram, whatever, if I look good in it. If I don't look good in it, I'm not going. I mean, I took a picture with, with my grandchild a couple of days ago, and I looked like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a horse <laughs> that just ate some bitter weed in the feeding trough. And, and, and so I didn't put it on Facebook because I didn't look good in it. <laughs> Default mode. Guys. It's not about us, as all we're saying. We go through circumstances of life. We go through hard times. We go through sickness. We go through changes of life. But we need to be like David, who our prayers isn't all about give me, give me, give me, 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 but it's about God, you be glorified in this situation because I'm not the center, you are. And my life is to, is to rotate and orbit around you and your will and being obedient to you and not about me. Amen, everybody. Give the Lord a hand, will you? Thank you, Nicole. Well, I'm glad someone's just a, just, a, just a little vain like me. Okay. All right. And so every child born into the world since then arrives with that problem being self-centered. Self-centered. Now, real quick, real quick, and um, let me summarize some of our prayers Gimme, gimme, gimme. God, help me get this. Stop him. Smite her. <laughs> I'll stop. Make everyone behave the way that I want them to so that I'll be happy. Hey, God, are you listening? I'm the sinner. God, take care of me. And, and then when he doesn't, you go into default mode, and you, it's all about my glory, and, and it's about my happiness. And when you, when you give, you expect God to make it worth your while. Can I have an amen there? When I give, I want God to make it worth my while. The offering plate comes by, and you get it, and you go, mm-hmm, there it is. All right, God, you better give me double. Am I lying here? God, I showed up at church. I want my life. Because it all revolves around me. Self-centeredness. We live as if God exists to glorify us as the center of the universe and that he's supposed to rotate around us. Our attitudes say, God is my co-pilot and worship God as the best means to my best life now is how we live. And if God doesn't behave, we're like the nerve of God. And we walk around confused saying, God, how am I supposed to defend you to everyone that you're a good God? What are you up to? And God says, what am I up to? 
I'm up to my glory because I'm supposed to be your center and you're supposed to orbit around me. But then we say, no, God, I'm the center. You're supposed to do everything that I want. And that's why we get so dissatisfied in life. That's why there's people who, there's people that's not sitting in these pews today that were here a year ago because they come here with the attitude of, I'm the sinner. And when God didn't glorify them and where God wanted them to glorify and God didn't orbit around them, they got mad and they got upset. They wasn't satisfied and they left. You know, I know we have different people here this morning. We got a lot of people out of town, a lot of people sick and all these different things. And, and, but maybe there's some here this morning that you're just now getting back into church. Maybe there's different things functioning you to bring you to church. And I just want, I just, as your pastor, as someone who, who, who really truly loves you in the name of Jesus Christ, is don't make those mistakes of that, 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 that church and Christianity is just some get out of hell free card and this is some country club setting we come to to get fellowship and that will get God in our favor. No, no, we, we come because we want, we, want God, we want God to be the center. We want to teach you how you can orbit around him and how God can glorify you and bless you and how you can be happier than anything else in the whole wide world if you'll just make him your center and not you being the center. Make God the center of your life and everything that you do, no matter it's whether you eat or whether it's your drink or whatever it is that you do, you do it for the glory of God because that's the perfect recipe. That's how God intended us to be and that's how we're going to be ultimately happy and be glorified and that's when God is going to take care of us when we make him the sinner and not ourselves. Everybody say amen. amen. It's simple math. This is something we all know, but what I want us to get this morning, and we got we to gotta, we gotta close it up here, but the simple truth is, is we have a default mode, and that is self-centeredness. We've got to stop it. It's a cancer, and it's eating the churches up from the inside out. The church is the called out assembly of people because we're not the sinner. God is. Point number two, and I'm not going to go into detail, Point number two, God has a purpose to you, and it's mostly about what he's doing in you. Write that down. God has a purpose to, for you, and it's mostly about what he's doing to you. Verse one, listen, and take this down. God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. This life, after all, is just a warm-up act for all eternity. We'll live here less than 100 years, but we'll live in eternity for 100 trillion years. Can I have an amen? God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. You know, what I've noticed is, is that people, you know, I, I look at life sometimes as, as like we did in college when we went to college. We took English 101, 102, 103, 104. And, and if you're like me, you had to repeat 102, 103, 101. But I'm just kidding around. I didn't flunk at nothing. But anyways, um, but, you know, life is like that. You know, before we can get to, in spirituality, before we can get to 102, we got to pass 101. But we keep passing 101, or we keep failing 101 because we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We can't get into 102. Because why? Because God cares more about our character than he does our comfort. And some of you aren't getting to 102 or from 102 to 103, from 103 to 104 because you're more concerned about your comfort than your character.
Isaiah chapter 43 says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Or are we chosen? And I don't have it up there, but it says this. Listen close. That you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. It says in verse 11, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no other Savior. Like David, he puts you into a cave with fiery beasts circling outside to teach you to depend on him because he's more interested in where you're going and your comfort and your character than he is your comfort. Amen? Number three. Number three. God has a purpose for you, and if you are surrendered to it, he will fulfill it. Can I have an amen? Look, God has a purpose for you, and if you are surrendered to it, he will fulfill it. David says in verse 2, God will fulfill his purpose for me. Now, fulfills in Hebrew here, this word is gemar, and it means to bring to an end. It means to, it means to complete. David makes the same statement in Psalms chapter 138. He says, God, um, God filled, fulfill his purpose for me. And then he adds, he will not forsake the work of his hands. You are what God has started. You are the work of his hands. And God always finishes what he starts. Amen? God is a perfectionist. Did you know that? When it comes to his purpose, he will not let anything come in the way of what he's doing. For David, this means God will save him from, this, from the wicked plans of others. He also saves us from our own <laughs> dumb decisions. That's why David calls out for mercy. Hey, Cornerstone, God has a purpose for all of us, and that purpose is to start with is that we're to glorify him, that he's to be the, the center of it. Amen? So let's stop this default mode of self-centeredness. Let's put God back in the center through Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. Let's put our Jesus, let's put our God back in the center and let, let us rotate around him. Amen, everybody? Let's make sure that we understand that God is not concerned about our comfort. He's concerned more about our character. Look, he is concerned about our comfort, but he's more concerned about our character. And God is going to finish what he started because he's God and he's perfect. But we've got to be surrendered to him. You've got to be surrendered. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you praise and glory this, this morning. Lord, I thank you for our, for, for, for our um, first or second or third time um, guests, our new friends. Lord, I pray for your special blessings upon them. And Lord, perhaps some of them are looking for a church home. We, we just pray that you'll work diligently alongside of them, Lord, and direct them to where they can place, you know, where they can find a church home and, and just fall more in love with you. And, and Lord, I, I pray for um, this morning's service and, and Lord, that the Holy Spirit will just take the words that were, that were preached in, the, in, in your holy name, Lord, that it will just be applied to hearts and lives. 
Lord, I pray that nobody walks out of here the same way they come in. Lord, I pray if there's one here that's never accepted Jesus Christ that has no idea about that purpose, Lord, that this morning that you'll just speak to their heart and, Lord, call them into a faith relationship with you through grace. Lord, that they'll come out of their seat this morning and just, and just come see me and, and, Lord, that we can go sit down and talk about eternal things. And, Lord, I know that every one of us ought to get up this morning and surrender to you because we're not perfect and we've got this sin nature. And, Lord, um, but I, I just pray this morning that whenever we go into this default mode of self-centeredness, that... Um, repent from it and that will make you our very center and that our circumstances of life when things don't go our way when plans change that Lord instead of being full of anxiety and being full about ourselves that we'll just say it's well with our soul and that we'll just our prayer will not be give me give me give me change 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 but that Lord will look at it surrendered and knowing that you care about our character and that we'll revolve around you and we'll ask you to be glorified in our situation whether it's finances whether it's health whether it's church whether it's marriage lord there's some husbands and wives that that need to make their marriage not about them but about you this morning they're struggling because their marriage is about what they want out of it but not about what you want out of it Lord, I pray that for them to be surrendered to you this morning, to make you the center of their marriage. I pray for those kiddos in here, teenagers, who need to surrender to you so that their relationship with their parents can be blessed. God, we praise you this morning. You're awesome. And I pray that you're glorified in everyone's life here this morning.